IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Hello and welcome back, everyone, to our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership Stories. Kirsten, great to be with you again. Hi, Mark. Glad to be with you again. It's good to be back. Uh, we are pumped up for today's episode. We, we have one of those people that has a lot of slashes and hyphens in their title and their background. <laughs> and Bill O'Haran is with us. Bill, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, guys. I, As my wife says, I'm incapable of small talk. So this is like the best part of my day. So There you go. There you go. And when, you. when we talk about this convergence of experience, Bill is a corporate executive. He's been involved in the capital markets and the investments and real estate and everything. And then I look on the other side of his resume and it says practicing therapist, a writer. So he's got 33 years of financial experience, 24 years of marriage, 15 years of counseling. And he says 8,500 hours of sitting quietly and listening to other people. I'm sure it's more than that uh, (laughs) with all those others. So 8,500 hours. I hear that uh, 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell says, makes you an expert. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And, you know, Mark, what's funny, too, you and I were talking before the show, we're like, where do we even go with this one relationship counselor and capital markets? And all I'm thinking is billions, right? The show billions, like (laughs) he is the male Wendy, right? Like this is it. I mean, to survive capital markets, you have to have a therapist. You, You cannot come out alive without some type of help. So I don't know. We just thought we'd have some fun with that. Awesome. Thank you. So, Bill, now that we've teed that up and we've totally. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Busted, busted, yeah, busted you and butchered your back. Yeah. Yeah. Our topic, of course, is conscious leadership in business, in life, and so yeah. forth. So, what are some of the lessons learned that you've heard from these people in all sorts of walks of life about how they feel about both their leadership, whether maybe they're leading a company, but at least maybe they're trying to reach their own personal potential? Hmm, Great question. I think when I boil it all down, life is really, it seems like it's about that other person, about our boss, about our wife, about our parents, about the employees, about the clients. Absolutely, it is. But really, when you boil it all down, it's my experience of what's happening in my relationships, my dyads with my team, and it's how I'm reacting to it. And if, like the macro theory says, there's only one thing in the world that I can control, that you can do one thing. What is it? Me, of course. How we feel. Bingo. How we feel. And how I feel determines how I behave and how I react. So when I look at what I've been doing or trying to do is all I can do is understand me in the fire of any relationship. And, you know, my, my wife saying something, my parents saying something, I can react and react, react, or I can understand what's getting kicked up in me. Is it the 14 year old boy? Is it the warrior businessman? Is it the shaman? Is it the little eight-year-old that's, you know, still insecure about the world and wondering what to do? Whatever it is, that's how I behave and can drive productivity and growth. I can only drive productivity and growth if I feel engaged and whole. And so, you know, when I boiled all down, I, I've sat almost 9,000 hours quietly by myself for 25 years and two months. Um, and I know the exact date and the moment. And just what I've picked up is I can't control anybody else. So can I understand what I'm going through in this minute right now? And that's how this next moment's going to happen with my five other clients I need to talk to. I still cold call. 
Um, I have counseling clients in the evenings and weekends. We used to say it in the social work field, use of self. What is Mark's use of self? What is Kirsten's use of self today? Is she the parent? Is she the business warrior? And I think leadership's about understanding where you are in that moment. If you don't understand where you are in that moment, how are you going to know where your partner is, where your billion dollar client is, where your $10 client is? Mm-hmm. Knowing self is the only way to know the world in, in my experience. And the Hindus say it and they all say it. All we have is self engaging the universe in any minute. You know, when you speak to this, knowing the self, one of the aspects that I work through with my clients, and we talked about this with our last guest as well, you know, when you know yourself, you also know your value systems, you know your structures, you create your North Star, and you know how to choose, especially in capital markets and larger, you know, where where the shiny is very attractive and you can get lost very easily. So in this, this cultivating of time that you're talking about, you know, gaining those hours of self-awareness, what do you offer to clients in not get engaged with that shiny and really make choices really as a result of self? There are clients who I'm just not aligned with, right? I love Mark tells the investment story, you know, the funds that you used to be forced to have to go into and they had no, you didn't want to invest in those companies, but you couldn't not invest in those companies because they were the only funds, you know? So how do you align value systems and North stars in a capital market strategy? It's a great question. You know, I didn't realize the conversation I was having at 8.30 this morning with a client who's a friend who was just going off the rails with his response to something that had happened. And as he's talking, I'm just taking it in. I'm not, I'm not responding to him in that moment. I'm responding to what he's feeling in that moment. And so I knew that was that kind of adolescent part of him. He's a phenomenally brilliant man, 10 times more brilliant than I could even think about being but he was really frustrated and angry. And so for me, my North Star is, can I stand right now amidst all this chaos in this single experience with that person on the phone and not go down the river? Let him, let him burn that frustration off. And what happened? I'm like, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He emailed me back two hours later. Hey, sorry about that. Really appreciate it. I really want to do X, Y, Z. And I think, I think I know my inner self, that angry, loving, joyous, joy-seeking 14-year-old, 10-year-old, 16-year-old. I'm 56. I know that part of me, so I can see it, hear it, and feel it in somebody else. Whether it's a 53-year-old man who's worth $80 million, who's two, two offices down, who's on my team, or a 51-year-old man who's worth 60, whatever it is, I see the little boy in them because I know my little boy. And I know when he gets kicked up, my North Star is that person's going through something. Can I stay in this moment right here, let the fire burn, and then here I am standing. And, you know, just in our, our little, our little, I work for a little family office. I, we brought in, me and one other guy brought in 250 new investors in the last year and a half. It's not because I'm smart. Maybe it's because I'm a little persistent. I'm from New Jersey. But clients know they're going to get one thing from me, exactly where I am in that moment. And I have there's, I will never veer from not telling the bottom line truth. And I'll say, you should not invest. This is not for you mm-hmm. because I don't believe it. And that has served me for a long time. And it's so interesting, Bill, that you're describing the who you are in this moment. I wanted to clarify because maybe I'm hearing 
you're not always the same in any given moment, but you know what role you're in. So maybe tell us a little bit mm. more. Dig, dig down. That's a, great, that's a great question. And it's a great comment in terms of I'm not, you know, let's say right now in this moment, I'm a 56 year old business executive with a great family and all that kind of stuff. Right. So that's what the outside world would observe. But with that gentleman three or four hours ago, I felt like I was in a counseling role. It had nothing to do with finance, had nothing to do with the next business deal we were going to do. With the other client that's an Italian gentleman, I know the type of things that he needed. It wasn't an accounting role. It was much more in a very analytical role. And I'm not saying I do all these roles. Well, I am just really good at picking up energy and what that person needs, whatever, whatever I can deliver of that need. I might not be able to deliver that whole analytical feedback that that person needed an hour ago but I can give them just enough and I can always come back and have someone else fill in. I'm really good. I'm really good at knowing what I can't do. Mm -hmm. And that has served me really well. And I also know when my lesser feeling self, my insecure self, I'm very honest with me. And so I know again, in that, in any given moment, I will literally say to a person, I just met with a billion dollar family office, amazing group two days ago. I don't think they're right for us. And I told her that. You know, at the point is I knew in that moment clearly that we might be able to fulfill that. The point is I, I was just so honest and I really feel like regardless of whether I, I'm feeling young, big, strong, less than whatever it is, I'm going to be brutally honest in that moment. And that to me, you know, I call it vitamin V vulnerability. Hmm. Now vulnerability in a relationship with marriage is different, has different tones and, and frequencies than vulnerability in the business world versus vulnerability with my kids, versus vulnerability with my friends. But vulnerability is me being open and honest with me, and that comes across. And so my business vulnerability is, hey, Mr. Smith, I just don't think maybe you and I don't get along. And so I just, I laid out, keep it very tight and professional in the business world, Kristen, as you know, as you guys know, and then certainly in the counseling world, we'll lay it all out. You know, I'll share my background. I'll share whatever that is, you know? And so it's just knowing how to harness vulnerability for me has been an incredibly powerful tool. You know, what I'm also hearing, I think of the St. Francis prayer, seek to listen First rather book than I read be in heard. 1982 history class at Middlebury Right? College. So, I mean, yeah. it's so relevant. I read like eight pages of it. <laughs> I love that. And you really seem to have the embodiment of that. Let me seek to listen rather than to be heard. And then you can speak authentically once you understand fully. And inside of that, there's innate level of humility. It's just inherent in that role because, you know, humility isn't being a doormat or standing back or not being brilliant in your role. Humility is knowing when it's not us and it's huge. So can you speak to that a little Mm -hmm. bit, how that interplays? Because I don't put humility in capital markets in the same conversation. I was just talking to my, my middle daughter, going to re-engage doing some counseling again, because she just wants to you know, continue to bring this stuff up. And we talk about humility and feeling less than. Humility for me is such a powerful tool, especially in the business world, because it's almost like when you're humble and honest, the other person's going to start sharing more stuff. And as they're sharing more stuff, I'm realizing, oh, he just told me what he wants. And if I didn't reveal a little bit, in other words, as they say, a lot of research comes out as, as an example. If you want your kids to pay attention to you, they're not listening. You know what they say? Pull your energy back. Pull your energy mm-hmm. back. It's not go forward. It's pull back. And I feel like humility 
in the dyad of a, of a business relationship in this context is humility is this is what I've done, blah, blah, blah. Tell me about yourself. Right. And I pull back and they come in a little bit more and then I ask another question and I'm coming in very humble. You know, I'm just, I'm just this, I'm a monk in the business world. I'm a shaman in the business world. However you want to call it. I wouldn't say that. And I pull back and I pull back and I pull back and that I'm gathering. And now I'm gathering. What am I gathering? I'm gathering insight. They're sharing exactly what they do and don't want. So I swipe to the left what they don't want. And I go right to what they want. And I hit them. It's almost like, oh my God, fight. have you been on my Bumble account? Swipe <laughs> left. <laughs> and so it's like, it's like I have my, I'm sharpening my, my spear and it's not to kill. It's to engage. Right. And I go right to the heart of it. Oh, Mr. Smith, that's amazing. This is what I think you're looking for. We might not be able to deliver it, but I'll try. And so this humility gives me this, uh, it fills me up with information that I never would be if I come across as bombastic and knowing everything. And I think I combine humility with curiosity. And I believe curiosity is the second greatest, I think I've never said this actually, is the second greatest um, energetic force in the universe. You know, it's what, it's what the, the tree is curious to be there the next day to get a little bit more sun. Those branches, I was just cutting them off on Sunday. They're curious, right? Like if I'm curious every day, People are interested in other people that are curious, right? I, I, I could interview you guys right now, drop everything. And I'm curious about your life, Mark. I would, you know what I mean? And so that interest in other people's life, I'm interested in the human experience. I'm interested in human experience in the financial world. I love the markets. I love the psychology. And then I'm interested in a single human being who can or cannot afford counseling. I don't really care. I want to know their story. And if I can help in one moment, hold space, hold space. Can I hold space? I can hold big space because I've been holding space for myself for 25 years. I still got a lot more holding space to do on myself, but I'm really good at holding space for somebody. And they're going to trust me unconsciously and hopefully conscious too, that this person is going to keep this moment sacrosanct. They're going to keep it for us. And when he leaves, I'll maybe know a little bit more about myself, but I'm certainly going to be start getting more curious about some of the stuff we talked about. So I'm, I'm a I don't want to say addicted. It's a bad word. I am so fascinated by the human experience. It's what keeps, it wakes me up in the morning. Yeah. It's interesting how listening and curiosity do go hand in hand. And I do sales. think back, I was probably supposed to read St. Francis of Assisi in high school. And I came at it a little later. So yeah. my listening <laughs> skills were rusty yeah. for the first decade or two of my <laughs> career, which I know tell you, my friends you can know, attest to. Yeah. As you guys know, listening is not easy. All I want to do half the time when I'm in that space is hit them with questions or move on. Like, like you know, it, it really takes practice and leadership. The great leaders, I've been around a bunch. They are so engaging in every moment. Why? Because they're paying attention. They're listening to the vibration of that person. They're truly listening to the youngest person. The, the great listeners, great politicians as leaders are great, great listeners. You know, Teddy, Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt. Um, they talked about Kennedy. He'd get all his guys together, you know, and like just listen and, and gather. I'm a gathering of information before I make my decision. Mm, for sure. And Bill, I wonder, we're talking about listening and showing up in these meetings and really being curious, but you know, in the heat of the battle, you know, when there are pressures and emotions run high, uh, you have this concept of standing in the fire. Mm. So it's not just showing up, it's showing yeah. up and being there when, when things are hot. Yeah. And I, I first kind of leaned into that stand in the fire in marriage, you know, my, the, the whole catalyst for me 
diving into self-work and, and writing the book and going back to social work school in 2002 and taking a $90,000 loan out when my third daughter was being born and all my friends are like, you're crazy. What are you doing? I'm like, nothing else makes sense was because my wife threw a plate at my head, you know, we're three years in a marriage and she, she was so angry. She was so frustrated and thank God I ducked. But um, I realized that she, it was impossible for her literally biomagnetically, scientifically, it was impossible for her to be that angry at me. She hadn't known me long enough to be that angry. And so I knew that she was storing all those old frustrations. And so for me, standing in the fire became, she got really angry at me. I just literally stood there and I could sense her, that little girl in her. I could sense that eight-year-old in the 37-year-old body that was really frustrated with something. What did we do? We went to counseling two weeks later. And she started talking about her dad used to come to the dinner table, a little inebriated, was a bit of a jerk. And she was frustrated at him. And I kicked up that archetype in her. And so standing in the fire was me just standing in other people's, people are really unhappy. There's something's happening. And they're dumping it on you, Mark, or they're dumping it on me or Kirsten. And I realized, oh, they're about to kick up my stuff. Here it comes, my insecurity. They're going to about to kick it up. And what I'm doing, I'm standing in my own internal fire. I'm standing in here because I'm burned out. Oh my God. Oh my God, there's my 14-year-old. That person just kicked up this insecure 14-year-old wondering what the world's like. And I'm like, oh, that's mine. Oh, look at that. I just found that thanks to them. And so I started using my marriage, my meditation, my marriage, me doing counseling, my research on the work of human experience and development as this was my arena and I'm going to live it and breathe it. And so I'm going to stand in the fire of my wife's frustration. I'm an idiot. I'm a jerk. All those things. Yes, guilty. But I realized I could learn so much about me if I didn't leave and walk away. That's what I tell everybody, your spouse, your friend, they're just giving you a gift because they're getting kicked up. If you want to walk away and get divorced, that's fine. You're just going to have to figure yourself out next lifetime. So let's get it done this lifetime. <laughs> I'm a big believer in you can wait, you can wait, you can get to the next marriage, whatever it is. I'm not saying, you know, divorce and separation is powerful. You need, it needs to happen if, if that's where it needs to go, but don't give up because you haven't been willing to stand there and be in your own self. Well, and that's a relationship that many people could relate to. And yet we also are bringing that and other relationships to the workplace. Let's go oh. back to the corporate environment. Oh. You know, you're sitting in a conference room. You just as soon throw a plate at somebody, you know? I mean, the fire that, you know, the craziness that happens in the workplace is almost more intense at times because it's held back for so long and then it's released somehow. And I've seen stuff at work from people that I didn't know that stuff lived in there. Mm -hmm. I got used to what was living in my wife and, you know, I could kind of see it cycling through. Um, and that's why the workplace, I'll give you an example, happened yesterday. I was unbelievably frustrated with uh, one of my partners, my team members. And I'm like, wow, I need, to, I need to say this. I need to get it done. I walked outside. I was out there for probably 45 minutes and I didn't say it yesterday. And I wrote a little email because for me, I can kind of cathart more, but I had to stand in my frustration and I hadn't seen his frustration like that before. So you're absolutely right. The corporate world, is often more intense and more emotional, even though we're supposed to hold it back, but it comes out in the craziest ways. I think because people forget that you bring yourself and all the, all the sadness, longing, joy. It's not like that. It's not like you check that at the door when you walk into the investment bank, well, that's exactly. all coming with you, you know, and that we don't talk about the therapeutic experience at work, but um, we talk about um, we need to be honest. We need to catch this stuff before it blows up. And I'm a big, pull somebody aside and say, listen, I was a jerk. I was wrong. 
I, I get my vulnerability going. I get my, my, my curiosity and my vulnerability and I lay it out and go, listen, I screwed up. I shouldn't have done that. What do we do now? And I'm trying to nip stuff in the bud, you know, and, and in correlation to that, they did this, the Madeira Divorce Project, which is, I know this doesn't sound like corporate, but they, they interviewed people that had been divorced for five years, 10 years, 15 years. And they did this longitudinal study. And the two things that came out of that was that what these people regretted were two major things. They regretted that they didn't address the resentment and they lost the friendship. That applies to the business world. I'm sorry, resentment. You know, I don't want my business partner to resent me for what I was had to get out of me. And so we, I came back in today, we talked about it, we sat down for 45 minutes and we, we continued our business friendship. Without that, so it's really important. It's about I, communicating. I'm yes. sorry, I have a question because I, I want to intercede or insert a, a question that could potentially, it doesn't really show harmony. And I'll use my own example. So having been a CFO and compliance officer of technology companies on the public markets, you know, I had a CEO who threw a phone. It almost hit my head. There, the guy next door to me, he would come out of his office. He'd punch holes in the wall. Oh really, yeah, not at all. Yeah, real yeah, stuff. Yeah. HR, not designed to protect anybody. So they don't care. It's, you know, how are we going to, yeah. yeah. How are we going to cover the liability? So it's not all peaches and cream, even though I'm a shamanic practitioner, I'm a Reiki master, it doesn't matter, right? Like I have all of the tools at my disposal, but how do you bring this into a situation where the other team members aren't equipped with the same level of maturity? For me, all I try to do is try to get one-on-one with this person either outside the office, and even if that can't happen, just really try to find out what is that need. It all boils down to a certain need. What need is not being met here? What's not happening? You know, what is this frustration around? It's a great question that I really don't have the magic bullet answer to. All I know is that I'm, I don't want to, if, if, if it's meaningful for me, which means I think it'll be meaningful for my company, which I think will be meaningful for my clients, I have to not give up. I have to find a way, like you said, if that person is going to remain unconscious and unaware, I have to kind of start there and know I'm not going to change this person's life. I'm not going to, you know, I can't hold space for someone that doesn't want space to be held for held. So all I can do is just keep, I have, I trust me and I can get in front of any human being and I can stay with that person for as long as they're willing to have me be in that room with them. So for me, you know, maybe it's this kind of, um, uh, not renegade, but this kind of, um, willing to go all the way with that singular person because i know i have to get something we have to find a way to work it through and in the end if the boss says hey bill we made a decision it's not you we're going to stick with him i have to be okay with that but people know me enough where i will never give up on another person because i feel like you know they can't make a shift and i'm not trying to change that person's life i'm just trying to work with them so like you said harmony we have to have harmony in some form. It's never perfect. But without that, you know, we're banging our heads against the wall. And that is just such a bad, bad use of energy. Really bad use. So true. Well, our guest is Bill O'Hare. And Bill, uh, we have just enjoyed the conversation so much, Thank but you. I want to be yeah. sure that people know how to reach out to you and learn more about your work and dig deeper into some of these concepts we've been talking about. Thank you. Appreciate that. So I have my website. It's called wholecounseling.com. 
um, like Whole Foods, but wholecounseling.com. My book is on Amazon or wherever else folks buy books, uh, Waking Up Marriage, Finding Truth in Your Partnership. Quick disclaimer, it's not about marriage. It's about what we do in relationships and how the growth opportunity is in any relationship. Again, with, with bosses, with friends, it's not marriage. It's just a word and a context and an arena that I use to get the most growth. And I'll leave you with this. The word relationship, do we know, do people know what the word relationship comes from? It comes from Latin, relatus. Latus is a verb. A relationship is a verb. It means to carry back. It means we have, we're having an experience here. We're having a relationship right now, a 32 minute relationship and something gets kicked up in me. I, I go back to my cave. I go, as Carl Jung says, go back to my cave, go back to my meditation, go back to my therapy, whatever it is to kick up. Oh, Mark kicked up that, kicked that up in me. And I'm going to carry back my sense and experience of this thing that we have called relationship. And you can either, we can grow from it because you could take that and go, oh, Bill, that reminds you that happened to me too. And so now through vulnerability and sharing, carrying back vulnerability and carrying back insights and experiences, you and I can deepen our relationship. That's what happens in the business world, whether they're aware it or not. So I am a seeker, scientist, mountaineer for the thing called relationship, the verb relationship. Relatus is my, is my, is my partner in this kind of journey. Mm. So good. I love the idea that uh, relationship is a verb, you know, and then when we say finding the truth in that verb. Yes. Uh, Bingo. And, well put. Can I use that? Yes, Did please. You trademark that? Yeah, that <laughs> it'll be in my review of your book. <laughs> Kirsten, this, this is the kind of thing you're talking with your clients about, right? As they're, as they're seeking intellike, uh, they're, they're building on their purpose. Oh, absolutely. And you know, what I love here, I will be drawing their attention to this podcast because the individuals I work with, they are leaders of the future and they are unwilling to do it in an old way, right? They, they're just not willing to do what I was willing to endure. And it really is an endurance. I had to endure it. I wasn't. I just got goosebumps because my experience with these kind of 30 plus year olds that aren't 50 plus year olds like me, they have a different disposition. There's a different frequency. These young kids, I call them yes. kids. These young kids are willing, like they're using words. I'm, I'm, I'm counseling 22 year olds that are worrying, using words like self-awareness. I'm like self-awareness. I can't even spell, <laughs> I couldn't even spell self at 22. Forget about all the other words. There's a capital S on self. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I'm so heartened by what I'm experiencing in my relationships with this younger generation. They're ready. Mother Earth is happening. We're in the Aquarian age. I know that sounds all new agey, but- No, keep going, brother. Preach it. (laughs) (laughs) We have now turned the world over. Yes, we have. Indeed. Continuing this conversation of relationship as a verb. So Kirsten, we were talking about, look, uh, you know, we've been through these generational concepts before millennials, Gen Z, but I, I think this is a cross-generation phenomenon that the, the world has really emerged now from a year of hibernation to say, we really don't have to do what we used to do anymore and mm. think like we yeah. have. Yeah. I mean, I love this conversation about woke, this whole notion of woke. And and I think woke really has to do with some of the aging. Like I, I see my position, I'm 52 I have a lot of wisdom, you know, mainly because of the scars I hold. There was a lot of scars that occurred in my position and that wisdom, you know, I'm the bridge maker because they, you know, to help give them the discernment that we've been talking about, Mark, with our other guests. hundred percent. You know, two things come to mind. Um, A friend of mine last year, right around this time, sent me an email 
and he saw that this private equity firm had set aside, I believe it was $2 million for, for in a pool for the, for the portfolio companies that they were acquiring, the senior executives to do what? Therapy. Are you kidding? Yeah, see, that's brilliant. Private equity paying. Why? Because these guys are, are young enough, wise enough, conscious enough, whatever it is, to know that if they acquire a company, guy's going to get, you know, they're going to drop a $10 million check on him. What's he going to do with that? But we need him to be productive, right? So that's a beautiful thing. Second thing, I was having this great conversation with my, my 89-year-old father, you know, born and bred in Boston, in the Boston area. He raised us in Jersey. And we were talking about something that came up that, that involved racially it was in a racially imbued conversation about a certain thing. He was like dismissive and stuff like that. I said, dad, you know, I love you. I really do. Like I'll tear up just thinking about him, but I just have to say your generation's got to go away in order to make space for this next one. And I know that sounds really harsh. You know what he said to me? You're right. Mm. And he didn't say right. Like, you know, I don't want him to go away, but that mentality has got a trail and it's trailing away. Now it's going to be a very bumpy ride, but and, and race, racism just happened to be the microcop topic. It wasn't that. It was just about this mentality of us versus them. You know, it, it's, it's, it's one thing, right? And it's still going to take a long time, but we're circling back to the original cultural experiences of, you know, we're one human unit and, it's, and this younger generation gets it. Oh my God, they get it. My girls are 23, 21, and 18. And like, they're zealots for the environment and inclusiveness. And it's... Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. You were talking about young and, you know, I think what's important to note while young was brilliant in what he introduced, what he also was, was a European scientist. And I, when I say European scientist, he even separated his own spiritual belief system and didn't speak to it because science had that divisiveness within that connection to that higher component, which even young is being challenged now. And he speaks to it, right? He had a large influence in Alcoholics Anonymous, yep. and he didn't even speak to his own belief system. I, I'm curious in, you know, what we're doing. And we, like all three of us on this call, have a different understanding of what our belief system is, but no one more important or less relevant, oh. right? Like Mark and I practice very differently, but we have the same embodiments like there is like we're both entjs and proud of it right yeah. like <laughs> amazing yeah i mean you got carl young and you have our boy joseph campbell right joseph campbell is the is the godfather of all myths evolved from the same it, like and then young took that as archetypes and collective unconscious and all that and <laughs> those aren't theories like we're one tribe that's kind of split off and now we're going to do this and it's not airy fairy. It's not new aging. It's the truth. You know, you read Tom Barry, you read Brian Swim, you read the universe story. Like this is a big thing we're in, right? We just have to figure out our little spot in this big thing. And when you, when you start catharting and opening up, you realize I'm just part of this big thing. And so that person might be green, blue, green, you know, whatever they might be, they might be different, but they're part of this. They're just trying to find their little space in this big thing. And so we're in this thing together and every religion's the same. Every culture is the same. We're human beings trying to figure out who we are. And so it's just been such a, for me, it's been so beautiful to just realize how I'm not other than anything else. You know, I'm barely other than the tree. The tree's doing the same thing. It's that epigenetic force. It's trying to become more tree tomorrow. I'm just trying to become more aware tomorrow, today, tomorrow. And that person, whether they know it or not, they're doing, they have the same epigenetic force of trying to 
no more, grow more. They might be just doing it at a slower pace and not engaging with divisiveness, you know, mm -hmm. um, hard to do, hard not to, you know, push back or whatever. Um, so I try to absorb it and, and try to do, I try to add value if I can. I, 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 I back away from those conversations, although I'm not afraid to. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think that's showing up and standing in the fire as you've been describing. Yeah. 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 Well, again, Bill, a fantastic conversation. Thanks so much for coming on our program. Really, really appreciate it. it. Thank you. And listeners, remember Bill's book is Waking Up Marriage, Finding Truth in Your Partnership. And we've really been exploring this idea of relationships and all, all the kinds of relationships we have in life and work and waking them up. You know, yeah. we, we kind of started by talking about how we can awaken that in ourselves and pursuing that in others to make sure we just don't stop until yeah. we can build the partnership the way it ought to be built. The last thing I'll say, the great quote, ask not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. We are part of everything that's not great. And we're part of everything that is great. Mm, that so, is true. So like, we can complain and, and be dismissive of other things, but we're part of it. Ask not for, it's tolling for me to either get in the game or be quiet and, and go meditate and, and try to figure out how you can get in the game. If you don't want to get in the game, that's fine, but don't complain about the game. Right. Oh my God, have you game. been talking to Mark? I swear you've been talking to Mark. <laughs> you can't complain about the, the Mark, you are not allowed to use that on oh. me, okay? <laughs> and, and to quote another uh, friend and mentor of mine, and the game is always on. So it's on. So it's on. It's always yeah. at it. Yeah. So thanks so much. And Kirsten, thanks, thanks for another great conversation. Long Island. Strong go Long Island. Island. <laughs> there you go. See ya. Take care. Listeners, you've had it all today. You've had your humanities and literature class. You've had your relationship counseling, your financial advice, your work-life balance advice. It's all been here in one package that we call Intelliki Leadership stories. So come back day. again for our next episode of our podcast. For Kirsten Gouldy, I'm Mark Stenson. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stinson. Connect with us on LinkedIn. And for more information on courses and consulting, visit pureintellikey.com. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, unlocking your world of creativity, and thepeaceroom.love. Our podcasts are hosted on Captivate.fm and available anywhere in the world, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Ghana, and iHeartRadio.